podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Blue Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Nigel Rothman back in the chair. Three games, three wins, so nine points and top of the league. And that was without some key players and without Pep in the dressing room or in the technical area. No key players missing tonight, as I've got two guests. Full strength we are tonight. Welcome to Nick Goldstone. Hi, Nick. Hi, Nigel. And welcome also to Edward Timpson. Hi, Edward. Hello there, Nigel. Edward, let's start, please, if we can, with Sunday's game against Sheffield United. Total domination, but in the end, we only just won it, only just got over the line. What what were the issues for you, do you think? Well, it wasn't possession. We had, I think, 80% possession. We had, it wasn't the number of shots on goals. It was 30 shots on goals, most we've had, uh, I think, for uh, around about a year. Um, I, I think it was just a little bit profligate in places. Uh, the, the, the finishing was was clearly off off kilter, not just from Harlem, but one or two other players as well, Alvarez and, uh, and Rodri. Although we got the uh, the Howitzer right at the end, uh, had a few that just skimmed past the post. Uh, so I just think there was just a, a a little bit off off the pace. Uh, technically, they were still very good. Sheffield United very well organized, extremely narrow, uh, filled all those gaps where often we would get uh, a bit of joy. Uh, so it was, it was a difficult game. And although the first half were very dominant, we never really uh, took it up that extra gear until we, we needed to in the last uh, three or four minutes uh, when uh, panic stations could have kicked in. So, it, you know, it, it, it was a game that last season, the equivalent third game in, I think was the Nottingham Forest game, which we were winning similarly 1-0 and then Chris Wood, got a, a goal right at the end and then we didn't get get the winner so you know it's one up from last season but there's been as you alluded to at the very start you know a lot of personnel changes no KDB no Foden starting Akanji was ill Stones is still out and of course Gundogan and Myra's aren't here this season so a lot to to take in not not least the fact that Pep wasn't there and whatever uh Juan Marlillo may say in Spanish and we have to have interpreted for us to understand apart from a bit of pigeon Spanish you might be able to pick up. I think the fact Pep wasn't there, particularly for some of the newer players like uh, like Guardiol, for example, it just made a bit of difference about the intensity of the game that they needed to uh, really put uh, Sheffield United to bed. So I think we could have killed off the game much earlier. Uh, other games we would have done, but uh, this one, we just about got over the line. Certainly deserved to over the the whole the whole game, but uh, we should have buried many more chances much earlier. I think Ed's just been quite generous here, isn't he, Nick? I'm, I'm sure you're going to be more critical now, aren't you, of, of City? Give us the. I'm sure you're going to give us the other side of the coin, which is what you're going to criticise City for. That's what you're known for on this show. <laughs> uh, well, no, not really. I mean, it was just kind of one of those once every twenty five odd games that we have where that sort of thing happens. Um, I guess the the main thing is to avoid making any really bad Lilo-related puns about getting hold below the waterline or full of hot air or anything like that. Um, but he looked absolutely terrified, and I think the rest of us, the rest of us, having been through this many, many times before, were probably a little bit more relaxed and knowing that you know, come seventy or seventy-five minutes plus. Um, we would eventually wear them down, and something would happen, and we would we would get we would get the result. Um, 
look, we were we were a bit profligate. We were a bit one pace, and I think that um, that you know we suffered a, a little bit from not having quite enough um, magic out on the on on the wings um, either side uh, again, um, but our quality told in the end and uh, Phil Foden coming on did sort of slightly change things uh, for the better in the last few minutes, made that little bit of extra difference, which I'm sure Carl Walker will be enormously grateful for, as will um, Lilo, Lilo or um, anybody else sat on the bench that day who will have been certainly praying that we didn't um, lose a game to one of probably the worst teams in this league this season. Can we pick up on some of those bits then, Edward, in terms of Pep? And clearly we talk about, you know, the leader he is and, and the fact he's probably the best ever. Um, so him not being there, that must, have, that must have an impact, surely. It wasn't just about him on the side. It's that sort of the whole build-up to the game, the the, the, the the chat in the dressing room beforehand, his whole presence there, and, 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 and you just see how he's totally immersed in the game and, and pretty much controlling it from that technical area. Not having him there must have an impact, surely. It must be one of the big factors, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it can't not have had some effect, even if it was 5%, and that can make the difference. I mean, I know Rodri said afterwards, well, we we, we know what he wants us to do. We've been well drilled. We don't need him there. But my my feeling was, you know, he's not a passive manager on the touchline. You know, he's he's barking instructions the whole time. He's reading the game second by second. He often brings players over uh, when there's a break in play. It gives, a, gives them a, a pep talk and what the tactics they need to do to shift. There were a couple of tactical changes during the game, uh, particularly in the second half when uh, uh, Kovacic was sort of moved further up to give us a, a bit, bit more play uh, and options um, in the, the final third. So clearly some messages were getting through. But uh, I just think his presence there uh, is, is part of what has made City so successful. Um, he's got sort of an aura about him and the players clearly look up to him and uh, have huge respect for him and, and and want to do well for him. And uh, I think him not being there just takes a little bit of the, the edge off that, uh, despite everyone's best intentions. So, you know, we, we got away with a win, um, but I, I think if Pep had been there, maybe some things uh, would have would have happened uh, better. Maybe some of the mistakes that were made, particularly the, the, the Carl Walker brain fog that uh, occasionally appears from time to time could have been avoided. But we... we We'll never know, but my sense is is that Pep, uh, he is uh, someone of, of of real importance to the the the, the match, uh, not necessarily just the, the game plan. Uh, and uh, I think as fans, we love to watch him on the touchline because uh, you never quite know uh, how he's going to react. But both in terms of changing the way the game is being played, but also his just his demeanour, I think, could rub off on the players. So it's, you know, hopefully, it's just one more game that he's going to be away. Um, Lilo, Lilo, or Lilo, or whatever we're calling him, um, he wasn't exactly a, a, a man of uh, great theatrics uh, on the touchline. I think all of us could have sat there um, with a couple of AirPods in our in our ears. But uh, Pep, Pep clearly rates him very highly uh, and put out he trusted him. Uh, so you know we have to put our trust in Pep. Nick, any any thing to add on Pep? Because I'm I'm keen to turn to to Harland as well and his shooting boots and whether they're they're in Spain with Pep or not or wherever they are. Um, thoughts on on him on Pep's absence first? Uh, yeah, uh, though 
those AirPods were was were enormously uh, important. Um, I was terrified that something was going to go wrong with their Bluetooth connection, to be honest, for most of the game. And it really put me off while I was watching it. Um, he wasn't there. Uh, we were a bit flat. We've been a bit flat in games like that before. We've won them late on or not. Did it make a difference? Maybe, probably not in that one instance. Um, the right call was made, whoever made it, put Foden on the pitch, um, albeit Kovacic looked absolute class uh, for every minute and every second of that game, as he had done in previous games. Um, but, you know, the important thing is that in the end, we managed to get it over the line, despite one or two pretty dodgy uh, mistakes late on. The Carl Walker one cost us, the Ruben Diaz one didn't, but it could have. Um, but, you know, just one of those days and we got through and we won. And frankly, the rest of the league is absolutely terrified. So with that in, with that in mind, are they as terrified, do you think, looking at Haaland this season? I know, listen, I know it's only three games in. Uh, we know what he achieved last season. But one could construct an argument quite easily that says he's not quite the force he was and something's not quite right. How would you respond to that, Nick? Uh, yeah, they are terrified because we're winning even when he's not on for, or quite on form and he's not the machine that he, he normally is. Um, you know, he's not a machine, he's human, so he'll miss. Um, he... Uh, he succumbed to the the the, the penalty disease. Um, we are, of course, the worst Premier League team in history in relation to scoring from the penalty spot. Uh, quite bizarrely and incredibly, it's almost impossible to understand how that can be, but it's true. Um, inside of the post, it should have gone in, but it didn't. Um, he missed one or two others. He missed one or two others last week as well. We don't really care. We won the game and he will come good. Um, so, as I said, the other teams are even more terrified that we're winning even without him scoring loads of goals. I'm sure you're not terrified, Edward, but you must have some concerns about Haaland's form and the fact that he's he's missed a penalty, he missed a number of chances in that game and indeed others against Burnley and Newcastle as well, equally. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fair to say he could have more than the three goals he's got in three games, but it's still a goal a game, uh, which you, you'd be pretty happy with with any striker in, in the Premier League. Uh, there's been clearly a bit more frustration on his part that he's not been more clinical in some of some of the opportunities he's had. But what he does do, which I think is, is helping us bring other players into the team alongside Haaland, particularly Alvarez in the last few games, is sort of like a sort of second number 10 is Haaland essentially defines the opposing team's tactics. I mean, you saw it with Sheffield United. They had two guys on him the whole time. They were, I think I read uh, one of the papers, it was a bit like WWE, just sort of slam dunking him in the box. It didn't seem to uh, cause the referee too many uh, too many concerns for some reason. Uh, but it, it, it means that there are changes that we can then make around him, knowing that that's, that's the way that the opposing teams are going to try and uh, take him out of the game. Uh, that the penalty miss. Well, before that one, he he'd scored thirteen in a row for a streak from Dortmund through to City. So I'm not overly concerned about that. It, it wasn't a bad miss in that sense. Uh, he just got the wrong side, just the wrong side of the inside of the post. So yeah, he's he's not going to be, I think, as 
um, overtly scary to teams who last season hadn't seen him at all. Uh, but but what he is doing is he's giving us uh, other other strengths that we can play to up front, and I, I'd be be interesting to see how when Pep's back, he he works the conundrum with Alvarez and Foden and uh, Doc, who's now now coming in, Bernardo Silva, Grealish. Uh, how how do they all play around Harland um, in in the way that we're, we're now uh, trying to create more chances, not just for Harland but for other other players up front? So I'm not I'm not wholly concerned. Uh, in as much as he's still hitting the back of the net one, 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 each each game on average. Uh, but we would like to see him maybe just get that uh, absolute clinical edge back to his uh, his goal-scoring prowess, which we know he's capable of. Nick? Yeah, I mean, what's, what's really fantastic is that, you know, the arsenals of this world, uh, you know, this is life and death. They're, 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 they're on their knees. They 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 just can't work out how how this is going to work. But it, for us, it's just a game. Quite honestly, you know, we've won everything. Harlan's missed a few. His nonchalance is is otherworldly. You know, he, he he scores one, he misses one, he hits the post, whatever. He goes to the corner. He looks at the TV screen. He raises an eyebrow, he gives a little wink, and, you know, we all move on. Um, why uh, Phil Foden didn't start, we don't know, but frankly, you know, it's a long season. He's not, we know he's going to change the game in the five minutes he was on. You've got Rodri, who turns around at the, after the game and tells... Um, the press that, uh, you know, having scored a brilliant winning goal, smashing one into the top corner, that, uh, you know, it's all a bit, it's all a bit unspecial. These things happen. Um, he's now got the chance to play a bit further forward now that Gundogan and KDB aren't on the pitch. He's got Kovacic playing a bit deeper and he's he's been, been given a bit more licence to, to just move a bit further up. And he's scoring goals, and you know it's just it's just kind of easy peasy. We don't really mind. Um, we've done it all. We've won it all. We'll probably do it again. We might not, but we don't really care, and everyone's happy anyway. Can I just pick up on some some of the new players? Uh, and we did this last week, and I guess obviously it's uh, still early in the season. And we're still kind of getting used to them and understanding their role. And I think something one of you has already mentioned the, the fact that Kovacic really stood out as being really quite an impressive player and sort of slotted into this side, sort of the pet way of playing very, very quickly, Edward. And uh, what have you seen in him? I mean, again, even even Guardiola as well, kind of, was he going to play as a centre-back or a left-back? And, and clearly he played in that left-back role most of the game. Uh, clearly a versatile player. But it, it, it was Kovacic, wasn't it, who kind of sort of stood out as being, he sort of caught the eye a little bit more, I thought, this weekend. Yeah, I mean, he's not had a bad game for City so far. And he, in, in some ways, he's just improving game by game. And the influence that he's having um, is also growing. I mean, he's, he's clearly uh, yeah, a very tidy player. He, he can control the ball, uh, close control very well. He's uh, got a good footballing brain. He, he can adapt to situations. He's uh, got good engine on him. He seems quite quite strong in the tackle, but without uh, giving too many fouls away. 
Uh, and the, the way he sort of seamlessly slipped into uh, that formation and, and, and the, uh, the the tactics that City play has been sort of a joy to behold. You normally expect a, a, a new player, albeit one who's quite well seasoned now and has played in the Premier League for some time, just to take a, f- a few few months uh, at best, maybe three or four games before you start to see them really start purring. But from right from the very start, he's been exactly what we've needed with the uh, the, the loss of, of Gundogan in particular. Uh, and at the moment, you wouldn't take him out of the team, uh, which uh, in, in some ways you look back to when Fernandinho was was in that role. Rodri first came in, wasn't we didn't think was going to be quite hit the heady heights that he has has in subsequent seasons. So again, the, the scouts have, have pulled an absolute blinder, uh, and uh, it's great to sort of palm off players to Chelsea that we're done with uh, and bring some affairs to us uh, who uh, clearly weren't happy, weren't playing their best football at that club. And uh, I think we, we're going to get a good few uh, high-class years out of Kovacic in, in that role. And, and for, for, for the squad in the Champions League as well, I think he's going to be a really great addition. And, and Nick, when we talk about Jeremy Doku, I, mean, I don't know what you know of him. Um, we talked very briefly of him last week because it was kind of the news was breaking. He was probably the likely one to come in and be that sort of light for light replacement for Mares as a sort of out and out winger, speedy, quick. Um, do you know much of him? And he was obviously on the bench at the weekend. And I was slightly disappointed we didn't see see him for ten minutes at the end there. But uh, as you've rightly said, Foden came on and won the game anyway. Your, your thoughts on him? Heard anything about him? So a sort of position that's needed. I don't know much about him, Nigel. Maybe you know a lot more about him than I do. But if he's got, you know, 90-odd percent of the talent of Mares, who was, uh, uh, you know, just a a fabulously talented player, um, plus more pace, more power, and he's got the brains to fit in to a pet team, he'll be a fantastic addition to the squad. Um I suspect that he'll be, um, you know, gently brought into the team uh, slightly slower than the likes of Kovacic and Guardiol. Uh, but I look forward to to seeing him play. It'd be interesting to see whether he's got the appetite to do it, you know, in November, December, January, February, just as much as... Um, sort of this time of year as well. I'm sure he won't have the first touch that uh, our friend from Leicester had, I'm sure. But uh, uh, he comes, uh, I don't know much about him either, other than what his nickname is, which I shared with everybody last week, of course. Edward, I know you, you will have done your research, Edward. I know you'll you'll have all the stats there. You'll tell us everything about him and you'll have been on YouTube for the last couple of hours as well. So give us your assessment then of uh, Jeremy Doku then. Well, I, I've seen uh, the club have put a, a few uh, VTs of Doku doing a bit of training, but of course they they tend to pick the highlights for those. They don't do the ones when they uh, hit a shot to the corner flag. So I can't really judge it on that. But I, my my reading of him is that yeah he's he's super quick. Uh, I think he's almost when we were looking for the likes of Mrs. Timpson's favourite City player Leroy Sane. Uh, I think it's a similar sort of mould. Uh, get some uh, serious pace, uh, which we used to have on both wings. Uh, but but whether whether he's got the sort of uh, the honed honed skills that we're going to need to do that at that pace uh, and how he'll fit into to the, the the team. I mean, I assume I think he's would be out on the right if he was going to play. Although he may be one that can switch both wings. Uh, in which case, if he was on the right, him and Walker 
uh, could be quite quite a handful um, uh, if they were paired together with the speed that they both got. But yeah, I think uh, I think Nick's right. He'll probably get eased in a little bit if there's some Premier League games coming up, uh, and I think there's three or four in September in particular that if we if we get to sort of three nil. Uh, it might be a chance to bring him on and, and 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 see what he can do in those circumstances before we put him into a, a, a slightly more intense and uh, rougher game, uh, which I suspect October is looking more likely. Uh, before we go to the break, uh, and after the, which we will talk about kind of Fulham at the weekend and various awards that are being banded around, uh, as well as uh, Champions League draw, of course, this week coming up. Um, there have been some shouts and calls around Boring City already, three games in, and I'm just interested to know sort of your immediate reaction to that, sort of this 80% possession and just this tippy-tappy football, totally predictable, uh, and actually a lot of non-City fans saying, going to watch that route must be really, 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 really boring. How, how bored are you then, um, Nick? Um, well, I, I, I mean, it's kind of it is kind of predictable, but that doesn't mean it's boring. Um, I mean, it, 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 I'm not sure there's ever been a better drilled and prepared team that I've ever seen. Quite honestly, I genuinely can't remember any of the great. You know, you don't have to think about our our team, but you know, any of the good, very good, great club teams of of the past. Um, you know, you just cannot think of one that's been so well drilled and so well prepared and so consistent in the way that they play. Not necessarily in, ter- in terms of how well they play, but the way that they play. It's just, you know, you know what you're going to get with City. Um, and, you know, it, it's taken us, I think, as 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 fans, you know, quite a while it, it took quite a while to to really understand what it was that Pep wanted to do and how he wanted to to do it, and um, you know, in simplistic terms, the, the the whole sort of playing out from the back and Edison and his role and encouraging the opposition onto our our defensive five and using that as a way to break the press and you know. It kind of does look a bit boring, um, but then we go and score loads of goals. Uh, and you know, when games like that Sheffield United game are boring, it's not because we're boring. It's because Sheffield United have got eleven players behind the ball on the edge or inside their penalty area, and that all they are doing is defending and trying to stop us from scoring. Uh, and we've got eighty plus percent possession, and they barely have a touch. Um, but you know that's just the way it is. So let them carry on getting upset and getting annoyed and being bored and switching off whatever it is that they do. Let's face it, they don't turn off, do they? They keep watching and they keep getting upset because they know we're going to win. Boring or predictable, Edward? Well, if City play boring football, then all I can say is bring on the boredom because anyone else who, if it was their team, they would be absolutely thrilled to week in, week out, watch what I would say is, if it is boring, it's beautiful boredom because you're watching a team that, as Nick says, have honed this the art of how to play uh, football, uh, not just to win, uh, but in my view, uh, to provide a real a real spectacle 
uh, a real uh, level, level of enjoyment, which isn't just about uh, sort of heart and mouth moments the whole time. It's about seeing people develop and grow a craft into something really quite quite astonishing. Uh, when, you, when you look at how 10 years ago City used to play and how they play now, it is literally light years away. Uh, and that goes down to huge amounts of hard work, having the best coach in the world. Uh, and if that's boring, then I'm happy to live with it. Okay, best coach of the world. That's not Roberto Mancini then, who's the new Saudi Arabia coach. That's not who you're talking about, is it? Because uh, fancy him taking a cut in salary to go and do that job. <laughs> who knew? Um, listen, we're going to be back very shortly after this break when we will talk about Fulham on Saturday, uh, numerous awards, um, and the Champions League draw as well. We'll do all of that straight after this short break. Welcome back. Um, before we talk about Fulham at the weekend, PFA awards are being announced this week. Um, we've got sort of players player of the year and we've got young player of the year and we've got players in both categories, a huge number of players uh, in the uh, major category. Uh, Nick, just reminders, who have we got then? I know obviously Harland, yeah. De Bruyne, Stones. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Harland, De Bruyne and Stones are all nominated for the PFA Players Player of the Year, alongside Saka, Odegaard and Kane. So I think there can only be one winner, really, and it's probably not one of the City players if we go by past history. But, I mean, genuinely, you know, I, I, I mean, John Stones is a brilliant caller, I, I think, for, to be included in that half a dozen. I suspect he won't win it. Um, but what a season he had last season and what an incredible sort of evolution of his game. Um, but Haaland and De Bruyne, I guess, will be um, more likely to pick it up and um, one would assume that Haaland will, will win, but who knows. Edward, one has to assume that as well. But but those three players, I mean, it's great for City. You know, we talk about boring City just before the break, and here we are talking about three three greats uh, lined up there in in, in that list of uh, players, player of the year. I mean, what, what a fantastic fantastic accolade for the club and for those three. No, a, a huge thumbs up for everything that City did last season, but particularly those those players, just the influence that they had uh, consistently throughout the whole of the season uh, and. So John Stones has been a man transformed. He, he was ph phenomenal, getting better and better. I mean, you can now call him a world-class player, which I don't think you could maybe do five years ago. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne speaks for himself, more assists than, than ever. Uh, but Harlem will win it. Uh, I'll be pretty confident of that. You can't come into the Premier League, score 52 goals in 53 games across the season and, and, and not win it. It's whether they also um, let him win the Young Player of the Year as well. Uh, I, I mean, being slightly uh, selfish here, I, I'm, I, I would—I know they're trying to balance it out a bit—but I would say Rodri uh, should be on that list ahead of Odegaard. I know Odegaard had a very good season, but he, he sort of dwindled a little bit towards the end. Uh, and Rodri is phenomenal, and he won the Champions League. I know this is a—I a, think this is the Players' Player of the Year, um, but I think you know he is the ultimate professional footballer in, in my view. And um, I'd have liked to see him on the list, but I'm, I'll take three. 
And I suppose when you then look at kind of the team of the year, which then also kind of comes out as well, you're trying to think which which of the City players kind of wouldn't get into that, having dominated it for that season. I mean, it's difficult to work out which ones maybe wouldn't make it into that lineup because you could almost start with their their 11 and sort of say, well, which ones aren't going to make it then? But I guess that's for another day. Uh, but I think we'll all probably agree that Harlan's, uh, although Nick Nick's, Nick's keen to get in now, so fine, crack on then, Nick. Who's, 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 who doesn't get into the team of the year then from City's... No, I, was, I was only going to say what the, the, the real struggle would be to, to to determine which was our first eleven and who who would miss out as a city player, not anybody else. <laughs> yeah, the, the idea that anyone else would get it, any any player from any other team would get in that 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 um, team is a bit silly, really, isn't it? Sure. And as you've already touched on, Haaland's also nominated for Young Player of the Year as well. So if he wins the main award, it's difficult to see how he, he wouldn't win that one as well, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. Listen, so the Champions League draw is coming up as well. And uh, just your, your thoughts ahead of that. Some people have kind of said that, you know, now we've won it once, we've got that monkey off our back. It's kind of almost becomes less important than doing four league titles on the trot. No one's ever done that before. Um, and whilst the focus, one could argue again, last season was we have to win the Champions League. Would you say the focus is less about the Champions League and more on actually doing what nobody's ever done before, which is winning four league titles on the trot, Edward? Is that is that kind of a... Or, or, or is it like Pep always are we going to go out there and win everything? But, but you know, you can't do that. There has to be a certain focus. Is it four league titles or is it Champions League? Which one do you think Pep would prefer? Well, the Pep mentality, as we saw with the, the Super Cup, um, maybe not so much the Charity Shield, but certainly the Super Cup, was you know, we're breaking new ground here as a club. So every opportunity we have to put another trophy in the cabinet, we need to take it uh, and to create this dynasty, this dominance uh, that very few teams have ever done uh, in professional football. So uh, w- where he channeled those energies uh, will, I think, depend. And this is maybe why he's still trying to strengthen the squad even now uh, with uh, another bid for Mateus Nunes from uh, from Wolves because he'll, he'll want to do both. There's no doubt about it. I mean, the, the fourth Premier League in a row would, if you're a fan, maybe the one that you would uh, want to do because no other team... Um, Including the, the those that uh, must not be named on this podcast, um, they haven't done that. Uh, but but I genuinely think he believes he will have a squad that is capable of doing again what they did last season, uh, and also he's proved that they can do it. Um, so those are the heights that they should set themselves. Uh, we'll maybe see where we are in January, uh, and that may then start to determine things in terms of injuries, what's happened with De Bruyne. Uh, but we should we should sail through the the group phase of the Champions League, uh, and then it's uh, we're in a, a bit of the, the the potluck territory then as to to who we get. But we shouldn't fear any team. We should, we proved that last season, uh, and I think the, the Premier League we're already two points ahead of of, of all, the, all the rest. Look at our fixtures. Now we're going to talk about full in the next game up, but then we've got West Ham away, Forest home, Wolves away. So we you know we could be uh, by October um, really sort of head and shoulders above the, the rest of the league if we perform in those games, particularly in October, when we then got Arsenal, Brighton and uh, the, the team that we don't talk about. So uh, I think there's a real opportunity here to put some markers down in the next uh, four, five weeks that mean that both trophies are very much on. 
Uh, so Edward's avoided the question very cleverly, um, which is fine. Uh, what about you then, uh, Nick? Uh, just to answer the question directly, which is the focus, do you think? Four on the trot, Premier Leagues or Champions League? Which is the focus, one or the other? Need an answer from you, unlike Edward's. I'll say what I always say, which is the Premier League. It's unbelievably difficult to win. Um, it's nine months of agony. Uh, it throws things at you that you couldn't possibly even make up um, during the course of a season, and you just got to deal with them, whether it's weather or car accidents or illnesses or God knows what. But you know, anything can happen, and it normally does. Uh, and and that's what that's that's the thing to win. Um, the best thing would be to put that to bed relatively early on, as we have done once or twice in the past few years, and then actually uh, have a bit of time to concentrate on the um, the other the other silverware, including the Champions League. Uh, and yes, I think it will make a difference that the monkey's off our back. Um, and we should fear nobody. We will fear nobody. Uh, we're just going to get better and better, I think, as the season goes on. Um, just finally on the Champions League, just the, there is a chance we could play Inter, uh, of course. Um, and I'm just wondering whether you would mind facing Inter in the group stages, Edward. Does that something that worries you particularly or, or not? I prefer not to. Uh, just because they're hard games and you never quite know what it's going to take out of the team. Uh, but in some ways, it's a good early test uh, to get them uh, up to the level that they need to be when it gets to the knockout stages. So we'll, we'll, we'll take what comes. Uh, the, the, the last time we played them uh, was the key one. Uh, if, if if we draw against them a couple of times in the group stages, I'll take that if it means uh, uh, we, we beat them like we did last season in the knockout stages. Uh, just before we move on to uh, our last topic, which is the Fulham fixture, standard three o'clock, uh, Saturday at the Etihad, um, is kind of some of these new laws that have come in this season, Nick, and just interested in your view. Uh, clearly, kind of time-wasting is something that we as City fans have been frustrated about, goalkeepers in the first few minutes that are just, just wasting time. We, we know why it's been brought in. Just your view of the fact that we've seen sort of eight, nine, ten minutes added time. We've seen players being cautioned for time-wasting. Um, and I think I read somewhere that actually it means that we are playing more football. There is more ball in play this season than we've seen in the past. Just, just your thoughts and reflections on that. A good thing, a bad thing. Any other, any other observations? No, I, I kind of like it to be honest. I mean, I, yeah, I've always been quite a vocal opponent of, of particularly. I mean, there's just one bit of time wasting that drives me literally mad, and that is the. The goal kicks, um, particularly at our home games, where you're probably watching 15 to 20 minutes in a game of opposition goalkeepers taking goal kicks. It's ludicrous. Um, and it did need to be stopped. Uh, I would be the eternal optimist and say that uh, over the course of time, the players will maybe learn uh, that their, their time wasting is a bit pointless uh, and it will become less of an issue because of the way that the referees impose the rules this season. Um, that may well not come to pass, A, because the, rep the 
the players are too dumb and B, because the refs are also too dumb and they'll probably forget about the rule with it by the end of October at the very latest. Uh, but one can only live in eternal hope uh, that it does actually make a difference. Um, I think it would be it would be good for the game if it did. Of course, we also have to live with the fact that, you know, we can watch an opposition team waste 15 minutes and then see Edison get get a yellow card for taking two seconds too long for on a goal kick when when we're in, in it, when we're winning a game in the 80 odd uh minute but you know that's just the kind of thing you got to live with when you're the best and and edward your thoughts on on the new sort of laws that have come in the inter- interpretation and the implementation of it well like nick i'm pleased to see that they're actually taking this issue seriously and trying to do something positive about it and crack down on some of the ludicrous uh theatrics that we see around time wasting uh, uh i think they've got to be a bit careful that they don't make some of these rule changes so uh, pedantic that referees sort of lose discretion just to use common sense in in how they dictate it. But one of the things I, I, I do like, and I, I hope I've, I've not, I've not missed this uh, before and this, I've got this, this right. But when I was at the Newcastle game for the first time I can remember, I saw on the scoreboard that when it hit 90 minutes, rather than just stopping and us then looking at our watches, trying to guess when was, the five minutes up that have been put up on the board, it actually kept ticking over through to the the ninety fifth minute or whatever, however many much being put on. So that's for me, that's a really out of all the innovations I've seen, that's one that I really like because as a fan, you're not sitting there wondering what what the, the hell is going on. Uh, you've got something that the referee is um, also using, and maybe the next stage they should go is what happens in rugby is they actually stop the clock when the ball's out of play and start it again. So then you get your full forty-five minutes each each half, but maybe maybe that's uh, too much for the Premier League to to take in one in one leap. But uh, uh, I think I think it, it's, it will bed in over time. Players will start to understand that so you can throw the ball away, you're going to get a yellow card. Uh, but maybe they just need to think over time as some of that culture changes to, that there is some discretion for the referees. You don't end up with some absurd decisions which are which are with it, which are basically what are within the rules, uh, but but don't really. Uh, fit with uh, with that particular game uh, and at that particular moment within a game. So it's better, but I think there's still a way to go to get it right. Uh, to be continued, I'm sure. Let, let's look forward then to the Fulham game on Saturday then, Nick. I think Fulham, what, 1-1, one, one, lost one, drawn one, uh, coming into this game uh, against City. Um, your thoughts and reflections about that before uh, before Saturday? Will be massive... Uh, odds on to win that game. Um, it'll be another, you know, probably similar sort of game to the Sheffield United. Fulham will be very, very defensive. They will try to find something on the break. Um, they'll get a little bit of inspiration from that uh, Sheffield United equaliser. Um, I don't know what the stats are specifically, but I suspect that Fulham's record at the Etihad is absolutely horrendous um, and I fully expect us to win very comfortably Edward I remember one poor reverse against Fulham at home in the last six, seven, eight years uh, so they've had, they have had uh, joy uh, on at least one occasion but I, I, I think Nick's right I think I, I expect them to set up very similarly to Sheffield United 
Uh, they'll they'll pack the defence midfield, probably play quite narrow. They haven't got Mitrovic anymore up front, so I don't know who will be the uh, uh, the the, the, the centrepiece for for any counter attacks that they manage to to accomplish. Uh, but I think this is one that we're going to have to try and break them down. Um, I expect uh, very much hope and expect that Foden should start uh, th- that game, and uh, maybe as I say, if we we get off to a flying start. Uh, be one of those games where Harlan scored three goals by 60 minutes, then we can bring on Docker and see what he's made of. But, um, you know, th- this has the potential to win this game and the, 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 the games coming up, as I say, against West Ham Forest Wolves. Got a chance putting a real run on here, which starts to leave the rest of the pack um, in our rear view mirror. So uh, I think you know, a, a, hopefully a full house at, at, at the Etihad. It was a great atmosphere against Newcastle. No reason why it shouldn't be again this game. Uh, and uh, there's a few players who've still got a point to prove early in the season. So without KVB, I still think we'll have way too much for them. And Foden in place of who? Who do you rest, rotate, drop, pick any one of those three, or perm any one from those three? It probably would be Alvarez, um, I suspect, just because of the position that he's playing. But equally, you never know with Pep, it could end up being uh, Bernardo or even, dare I say it, Harland himself, but I very much doubt it. I suspect he's sort of. It's interesting that he's played sort of Alvarez and Haaland together, isn't it? I, I think he's he sees that as a as a new way of playing. If it changes, who knows when Doku 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 comes into the side as well. Lilo Lilo, lots of different pronunciations this week. Uh, I suppose it all depends, doesn't it? Nick, you've got a thought in terms of lineup and and what Pat might be thinking. I know he's I'll not there, of course. He'll be in the ears again, of course. He won't actually be there, but I'm sure he'll have a, a big say in terms of the, the lineup. Yeah, I've kind of given up on the speculation because it's almost impossible, but also I don't I'm I try not to get too stressed about it, whatever the, the lineup is, because we we generally do pretty okay. Um you'd assume that Phil Foden would start. Um, nobody knows why he didn't this week. He wasn't well. Um, he had a tummy bug. Oh, did he? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, Here to help. But yeah. Al- Alvarez scored a blinder last week. He had a slightly quieter game against Sheffield United. Harland, frankly, you know, really did have a bit of a stinker. Um, so... Maybe it wouldn't be a bad time for him to be sat on the bench. I think it does kind of just put the point there out there that nobody nobody is untouchable. We know he is, but he needs you know everybody needs to know that they're not. Um, and if he's sat on the bench, then he can come on. And as Edward so said, not? as Edward said earlier, three goals in three games. What a piss poor start to the season! I know Edward yeah. didn't say that. That's my that's my bit. Uh, thank you, thank you to my two guests, to Nick Goldstone and to Edward Timson. This is Nigel Rothband saying thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you all very soon. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.